to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we gather today. And I pay my respects to their elders, past and present. I extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples here today. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Inspired by Yarra. This is the podcast that's been created to enhance, connect and inspire the Yarra Valley Grammar community and beyond. So wherever you're listening from today, I say thank you. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for discovering us. And we hope, like all of our other episodes, you are engaged and enthralled and enjoy this conversation. Today, I sit down with Georgie Swan with from the class of 1988. We talk a little of her introduction to Yarra in the senior secondary school and some of the opportunities that presents uh, for her and her peers as, uh, as coming in at year 11 and uh, year 12. She was a student leader. She was a, an artist of sorts. She was a performer, though a little reluctant at times. I'm confident that you're going to enjoy this conversation with Georgie Swan from the class of 1988. And I'm going to begin our conversation today by asking her, when actually did she start her Yarra Valley Grammar journey? Enjoy. Thank you, Paul. Um, I started in 1987, so year 11. I think I was in about the second or third year where um, girls actually joined the school. So it was a fairly new experience for the school having um, girls join. So we're only part of year 11 and 12 at that stage. Uh, So I came across and finished my uh, VCE with Yarra Valley. And I imagine at that point, given given that there's only girls at that senior level, year 11 and year 12. Um, the numbers would have been, well, I guess, are they in your favour? There's much less girls than there are boys. <laughs> uh, yes, I assume that there probably was. I can't remember the numbers, to be honest. But, um, yes, because it was a new phenomenon, if you like, um, it was uh, probably in the trial phase, so probably not as many um, females. But uh, it was a really nice experience knowing that we were all um, joining, having that same experience for the first time. I actually had been to school with um, many of the boys though in year 11 and 12 because we'd actually gone through primary school. So I joined with a number of friends from the school I was coming from and a couple that had gone off to different schools, but we came back together um, for that period. So not all of it was new. Yeah, sure. And that, that's fascinating to, to effectively have been to primary school with, you know, in this case, some of the boys and maybe some girls too. But then, you know, what three or four years later, kind of reconnect. And I wonder what happens to friendships in the midst of that? I mean, I guess initially, at least you go back to, well, I once upon a time knew you, but a lot changes in those years, doesn't it? From, from you know, 11 or 12 year old at grade six and, and then year 11, you're sort of, what are you, 16, 17, probably 17-year-old. 17 um, a lot of changes happened to people. What, what were some of the things that, like, did your friendships last? Were they the same friends or did you create new friends? Well, certainly with the girls, I still am friends with a number of them today. So we've gone through primary school um, all the way through um, different high schools. Uh, and then, you know, we all branch out and do our own thing at uni and we still remain friends, which was fantastic. So um, it wasn't um, a difficult transition, I must admit. So while we had grown up and um, I suppose become our own person, you, as you said, in primary school, um, it's um, you, you, everything's, you think, oh, sorry. <laughs> Um, at primary school, you know, you're young and um, not really sure of yourself. 
but by the time you're 17, you are more confident in who you are. So um, that's true. But we had spent, you know, six years together in primary school. So while it might would have taken a little while to reconnect, it didn't take long. And in fact, what, something I really enjoyed about um, Yarra Valley is I felt that um, our year level came together as a whole. There were obviously different groups and people who liked particular things or were more sporty or artistic, but I really felt that we were um, a really well-gelled cohort, if you like. Mm, that's And that's impressive, isn't it, when, when it is so new? You know, there's new people come and join partway through. So I guess for the boys, they've, they've been a cohort for probably the best part of year 7, 8, 9, 10, and then the introduction of girls adds to the to the mix and the dynamic and the flavor of of that year level so that's that's encouraging to hear that they they embraced um as you say the new phenomenon of having girls and and female perspectives in the classes and and those sorts of things and and speaking of classes where would we find you like what what was your happy place in terms of subjects and and what areas of the school did you like to be in um i particularly enjoyed graphics So that was a subject that wasn't offered at my um, previous school. So um, that was um, a real opening for me, something that I could explore my artistic side. Um, And otherwise it was really literature, so English and and, um, literature. So um, I had a great um, lit teacher and that's actually my strongest subject from year 12, I think, because she was really engaging and inspiring. you know, open my mind to a few things. So, um, so more the humanities and artistic side of things. Yes. And you pursued that, say, in, in the senior secondary school, year 11, year 12. What happened after you left Yarra? Did you continue to study and, and was it in those areas? What happened next? It was, I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do. So um, I uh, went into Monash University at Clayton and studied, um, I did a double major in history and politics so really, you know, heavily reliant on the writing essays, reading, that type of thing. So really stuck with humanities, um, which I really enjoyed and um, ended up, uh, I was working in retail at the same time, but all of those things combined to lead me down a path of um, human resources. So I've been working in human resources for, well, several decades, <laughs> let's just say. <laughs> so, so... And and I don't mean to um, put up barriers that aren't there, but your strengths, it seems, are around words and 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 text and reading. Does that mean numbers and accounting and finance is not uh, a strong suit, or have have you got a bit of both? Look, I certainly don't help my children with any maths homework, but um, I appreciate the importance of understanding the numbers when you're working in a business. I think. Um, you've got to be able to sell your message and understand the impact that um, culturally you can make through conversation and so on by being able to reflect that in um, the attrition rate or the conversion of, you know, um, how long people are staying with you and um, or your, I'm just trying to think of the other numbers that we talk around. But certainly I'm doing lots of reports every month and reflecting on those metrics. So it's important to have a balance. It might not be my happy place, but I think it's really important to understand them. That, that is interesting because I would say it's probably similar for me. Um, 
and increasingly at school, it's it's about data, trying to to understand the data. It, well, maybe initially collect the data and collect the data for a purpose, and then understand it and and then use that data to influence. Uh, how we teach or what we teach and, and, and perhaps where the, the students are going or where the gaps are and so forth. Um, so data is becoming increasingly, and and I guess at some point, that's got numbers behind it as well, doesn't it? Exactly right. I think um, in my field in particular, people used to think of HR as the fluffy piece of work, the, the nice to do, not the need to do. And in fact, well, I'm very passionate around... I, if you don't get that right, then nothing else happens. You know, you, you don't get the outcome with the numbers that you want. So um, I think now that we do do the reporting, we understand the data and bring it all together to really tell a compelling story. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And so so you're all about people and uh, and helping them to connect to the organisation and, um, and I guess listening to their story and helping them to become part of the organisation's story and, and vice versa. Let's go back to your time at Yarra and, and some stories from there. And I particularly want to focus on the social side of school for a moment. And hanging out with friends is a big part of school. And equally, those friends, they have an impact on on, on your character, really, and, and kind of, I guess, what you're interested in and, and what you're talking about. And I'm just curious to know what you would say or what you would acknowledge in terms of your friends and how they formed your character. Were you, for example, were you on the sports field, you know, throwing balls at each other? Were you in the art room every lunchtime? Like, where did you hang out? And, and what was the kind of what was the things you were on about at the time? Um, I was fairly easy going, you know, played sport for the school. Um, I tried a sport that I hadn't done before. I played tennis and netball outside of school, but at Yarrow played hockey, um, which was fantastic, really competitive, you know, um, kind of rough and tumble, um, which I hadn't experienced before and um, had a great team there. I, but I really did feel that we were able to move between groups and I think having and this is probably um, more so in year 12 we came together in the common room and um, as I said well obviously you've got probably you know you smaller groups of friends and people who are um, into particular things I think for for me in my recollection we were comfortable in having those conversations about what was going on or having a laugh amongst the different groups and certainly um, when I think about those times I do think about the social aspect and there were lots of parties and at those parties it was the year level everyone was invited not everyone would go not everyone would feel as comfortable in those at those functions but everyone seemed to be invited and so I remember the balls that we had um, the parties at people's homes and um I remember the dress-up days that we had at school too. You know, everyone got in with a laugh and um, wanted to be part of that experience. I think um, it was just something to be, it was just special coming together and knowing that that was our final year and um, we had to make the most of it. Mm. I, I love that. And albeit your memories of those final couple of years are strong because of, Yarra, and, and that's what we're talking about now. But you also had the opportunity to experience another high school, at least one other high school. And we have this thing at the moment, 
and it you know it's been going on a long time and maybe even back in in your day and I don't mean to emphasize how long ago that really was <laughs> but we call it the Yarra spirit and and I wonder if that's a phrase that's familiar to you I mean for me what you've talked about about inclusion and um, everyone's invited and the opportunity to freely move between social groups and, and feel that we're part of something special. I, for me, that's an important part of Yarra spirit. What does that phrase mean to you? Is it something that resonates, the Yarra spirit? Absolutely. And I can think of different experiences that really called that out. So um, I'm not sure if it was year 11 or 12, possibly 12, but we were part of um, in a Steadford, and I'm not sure if they still do those uh, these days, but um, I certainly wasn't a dancer or a singer, but a number of us wanted to be part of something bigger. And um, so it wasn't certainly also just the girls, but a number of us did backstage work and um, people were part of different parts where they felt confident. And I just remember going to, I think it was Festival Hall, um, you know, being excited to see those people who were actually performing Uh, for the school and our friends, you know, and how well they were doing, all of us being behind that and getting excited. I also remember um, the um, boys' football team was part of, I think it might have been the Herald Sun um, um, football thing, and they played at the MCG, you know, really big and exciting and how much that meant to the school, not just that group of boys who were playing, you know, in the team. So absolutely the Yarra spirit was, you know, alive and well back then, so long ago. Um, so there were lots of those types of experiences. As I said, even the, the dress-up days or that final day, muck-up day, and everyone kind of got excited and took part in it. Um, we could all feel something. I certainly felt proud to wear the uniform and I didn't necessarily have that um, camaraderie, you know, with my previous school. I enjoyed the previous school. There was no issue with that, but it didn't have that spirit, as you said. Yeah, uh, those, they're beautiful reflections. I think that's great. And you mentioned also that you're still in touch with some of the, you know, I get, the girls and maybe the boys too of your year level and your cohort. You still have contact with some of them today. Yes, yes, absolutely. We don't see each other that often. Everyone goes off, you know, we've got families and work and other things, but we know that we can reconnect. And when we do, um, it's fantastic. And it's like, you know, we saw each other yesterday. So um, they're, they're friends for life. That's that's terrific. There's a couple of instances that you've recalled that it seems to me required you to step out of your comfort zone. You know, you, you took up a sport that you hadn't had a background in, in, in hockey and you joined the, the Rocker Steadford and you wanted to be part of that and, and, I don't know, maybe you were a fantastic tree or something. But but you've got out there and you've had a go. Tell me a little bit about um, the value of or what you've learnt from stepping outside of your comfort zone. Well, I think um, it's a really important lesson to learn in life because that's where you learn and grow. So um, for me, I'm really making an effort, you know, a conscious effort in my life to take those opportunities. So I think if something's presented to you um, that you say, yes, it might be uncomfortable, but being in those uncomfortable places um, is the best place to grow and to learn about yourself too. So um, it might be public speaking. 
And, you know, I'll um, say to myself, well, it'll be over in the next half hour. That's okay. Nothing, you know, what's the worst that can happen? Just get up there and do it. You do the preparation before, get up there and do it. It might be, um, I did some filming recently for work, not something I particularly wanted to do, but I knew it was for a bigger cause. It was for um, a disability agency we're working with and I knew that it would do some good for them. So, um, you know, you've got to look out for that, the bigger picture and not make it all about yourself. So certainly um, that's been a really important lesson for me to take away. Mm, I, I love that too. And I wonder if, because it seems like those examples at least, when you've put yourself out there and you, you've stretched and challenged yourself, you've been able to look back and go, yeah, I did grow through that. That's been a, a positive experience. They don't always work out like that and not everything we try works the way we hope it will or that we want it to. I wonder if if and whether you have a story or a, an example of a time when things didn't go according to plan and and maybe what you learned from that also. I can't think of a of a, an example on the spot but I can say that I think even if something goes wrong, you tend to find uh, and you think, you know, that's really embarrassing. <laughs> um, you know, maybe I shouldn't do that again. But I actually find that people come up to you afterwards and appreciate that you were brave in the first place because they hadn't, you know, perhaps put their hand up. So um, I just think um, it's a good reflection as well. What I didn't, maybe I should have done some more preparation. Maybe I should have thought about those challenges beforehand. So once again, I think it's just every opportunity, good or bad, are opportunities to um, learn from and um, next time might be, you know, a different outcome. Yes. It seems to me that you like the idea of personal growth and, and one way for that is, is to, to try things and, uh, and then whatever the outcome, to learn from that and reflect on that. Um, another way for personal growth is through reading. And I wonder if there's, is there any books that, that you've read or any books that you would recommend, whether it be uh, a book that you think has helped in your growth and development as a young person coming out of school or even something more recent that you've read that has had an impact on your journey? Well, that's a really good question. I have to admit um, I haven't read a book um, recently um, sadly, you know, I spend <laughs> more of my time on laptops and doing work, but um, no doubt there's been numerous books along the way. And I, look, even a really basic one for work was probably Dale Carnegie, you know, learning how to interact and connect with people and get the most out of those interactions. Um, that was um, a particularly useful one. There was one, another I think called Omnibus was around being present so um, really when you're having a conversation, you're paying attention, you're really listening. Um, so I think any of those types of books, um, I would probably suggest that I have um, my next, um, or if you like, study I'd like to do, reading and opportunity for growth would be um, in the First Nations um, space. So um, we really try and um, educate and increase awareness um, at work around First Nations people. And I think that um, we can all do with um, learning there. And that's certainly something that I want to be focusing on um, in the next few, well, it's not going to be just a few months, but that's where I want to start, you know, to actually look for those opportunities, whether they be um, 
videos, movies, books. Um, that's what I'll yeah. be doing. That's great. And and again, I, th- I think exploring that and, and, and First Nations people and, and coming to understand a lot of that comes through story um, a, again. And, and I think story is a great way to communicate and, and to connect and to, to get to know other people. So let's go back to sharing some more stories. And I wonder if you might, um, let's go back onto the sporting field. And I imagine for you, Saturday morning sport was a thing. Um, and, and you took up hockey, is there a moment on the hockey field, albeit maybe as a beginner, where, I don't know, did, and I don't know enough about hockey to know, but did you did you um, have to take a penalty shot and you won the game for your team? Or was there a great save that you did on one occasion that you're really proud of? Or were you really good at, I don't know, giving every all your teammates a drink at quarter time because that was your role or like <laughs> tell us about a sporting moment that uh, that comes to mind it, it could be, it might have been a an embarrassing moment too <laughs> you're stretching my memory there Paul <laughs> it's a very long time ago I remember being on the field and I remember um just all of us you know we'd come out with mud top to toe and you know you put in every bit of effort you could um I don't think I was a, a scorer in any way I was um probably more of a, a defender but I'm um I'm struggling to recall any great um moments of um success <laughs> um I'm sure the girls would be unhappy with me saying that because I'm sure that there were but I don't know where I would have necessarily been the one um claiming glory for the team um so yeah I'm sorry not off the top of my head no, that's okay. That's okay. Let's broaden it then, and and whether it's in academics or whether it's in uh, your working life or family life or just life in general. What? Let's float around that idea of success. What does success mean? What does it look like for you? Okay. Um, well, I think you know if you're successful, then hopefully you're happy. So you've um, you're actually feeling fulfilled. And part of that goes back to that um, growth piece, feeling like you're learning. And I think also feeling like you're contributing um, to something bigger than you. So certainly I can talk around success with, um, I've been involved with a netball club for 10 years, been on the committee for three. I think I've been a team manager for five and a coach for five over those years. And, um, you know, seeing the girls come together and um, that just support each other. You know, when they're down, they lift each other up. You know, when they know when to um, give someone that encouragement or, or give them the breather that they need. And you know, then when it all pays off and you end up with that grand final win, um, you know, even better. So when I look at the moment with my um, daughter's team, you know, a few years ago they lost the grand final by one goal. And, um, you know, it's rather <laughs> hard to take. And um, they picked themselves back up and two years later, you know, won the grand final and they're, the majority of them are still together today, even though they've started uni. So um, I think when you create an environment where it's not just about the game, but it's about bringing people together. So it's about more than that. Um, and they're all off doing their own thing in different schools and, and whatever else. Um, but they want to spend that time together and, and come together. So um, for me, success is something bigger than yourself. Yeah, yeah, that's terrific. And isn't it a proud moment where, whether as a coach or a parent, you've 
you've tried to instill those values and you've tried to create team and, and relying on each other and lifting each other up, but how good to be able to stand back and watch them then do that for each other. That's that's a proud moment for sure. Yeah, that's that's so good. I, I love that. I love that. Um, this is called the Inspired by Yarra podcast and I wonder if you would say or if you can recall something of your Yarra experience that, that you would put down to inspirational, something that was something that, that helped nudge you in a particular direction perhaps or exposed you to an experience that otherwise you wouldn't have. Um, maybe it was a word or a, maybe it was some feedback that you got for something. Is there something that, that you would say influenced you or impacted you during your time at Yarra that still serves you well? I think the school provides opportunities to build confidence and resilience. So it gives you opportunities to step outside your comfort zone, try different things. I mean, I even remember going on a um, ski trip. I hadn't been skiing before and those who were skiers, most of them went to Tasmania or went somewhere else and did, you know, and I went with, um, you know, a few of the other students where it was something new for us and it was exciting. So even something as small as that, um, really fun and enjoyable, but, you know, um, allowed us to to have a go and um, build our confidence. So there were those opportunities, opportunities to speak in front of the class even, something as basic as that, um, and get – I just felt the teachers were engaged and really um, supportive. So I think building that confidence to allow you to step up and have a go um, – and um, that's something that you can take with you in anything you do, whether that's going on to uni, you know, other schooling, it could be um, in any job that you do, those life skills are really important. So for me, there probably wasn't one standout moment. It was just a really positive two years for me. As I said, I've got lifelong friends from that experience. Um, I look fondly back on those memories and um, I do think it helped create um, you know, a, a framework for um, dedication, hard work, also a lot of fun. Hmm. There's great wisdom in that, and I appreciate your reflection. Um, we're speaking with Georgie Swan from the class of 1988, and Georgie, you you're very aware of yourself and what makes you the best you can be. I wonder, is there a I don't know it. A, a ritual or is there a habit is there a I don't know a, a practice that you or a, you know I don't know on the back of the bathroom door there's a quote that uh, that that gets you up and about is there something that you think is important to help you be your best um I used to think that it was all about motivation I actually don't think that anymore motivation comes and goes <laughs> and for me now and I try and share this with my children um, it's not about motivation, it's about your dedication and your resilience. Those things are really important. And if you apply that, um, you get up and you do the hard yards, you do things that you don't necessarily want to do every day um, and you put yourself out there and even if you get knocked back, you put yourself out there again, then um, that's where you find success. So it's not one particular quote, but that's probably just a learning I'd, I'd take with me. Yeah, it's it's almost a philosophy, isn't it, to... to as you say, to, to keep getting yourself out there and out there. So let's let's put that to the test for a moment. What what are you working on right now that maybe in the next two, three, five years that you um, 
need to keep sticking at? Like what's something on the horizon that you're looking forward to achieving or accomplishing or going or doing or what are you working on? Um, well, personally, it's every week um, I need the dedication to get to the gym. So that's where the motivation doesn't work. <laughs> so um, professionally, I have been working with a disability agency at um, within my job uh, for a number of years now, and it's really about building that partnership so we can um, break down some barriers and fears about working with people with a disability and making sure that our... Um, our teams represent the communities that we work in. So, um, you know, making sure we understand each other and how we can support each other. So I really want to see the work that we're doing expand nationally. I support um, Victoria and South Australia in my um, HR role, um, but I'm working with the other states to really encourage them to get on board with the partnership that we've started. So that's what I want to see professionally over the next few years, that that's... Um, not, not so hard, you know, that um, it's not something that people shy away from, that they go, well, we've got a role, who can we go to? One of our candidates might be through this agency and how do we support them to find meaningful and sustainable employment? And, and is that in a bid to uh, have and celebrate more inclusive workspaces? Right, okay. That's important work. Yeah, I think so. And, and drive and... Um, motivation is, is there at times, but there's also a lot of hard work where you've just got to keep showing up. And, and, and I imagine having similar conversations again and again and again to help people grasp and become okay with that, that possibility. And that's exactly right because it's kind of we're four down, years down the track and obviously two years with COVID, you know, well, not that that stopped, but really in lockdowns on and off hasn't helped. But um, we are still having those conversations. That's right. And you just have to keep your head up and keep going, find somebody else to have the conversation with and take it from a different point of view, understand um, what their concerns are so you can try and address those to influence change. Yes, yes. Georgie, I'd like to move now to a part of our conversation that I like to call the lightning round. And I'm just going to throw a whole bunch of short and sharp questions to you. And some of them might be top of mind and others you may not recall and others by all means make it up. Uh, Georgie Swan from the class of 1988. What house were you in at Yarra? Oh, easy. I was the house captain for Arnott. Arnott. And what makes a good house captain? Somebody that encourages people to participate and um, support those involved in all the sports. I certainly was not the the best athlete in any way, shape or form, but I thought it was about getting everyone involved and having a go. And were Arnott any good back in your day? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's a rare occasion that somebody's honest when I ask that question, but good for you. Thank you. <laughs> um, how did you travel to school? Bus. Ah, so tell me a little bit about the bus, because often there's a you, you have a group of bus friends. And did you progress sort of bit by bit towards the back of the bus? Is that how it works? Absolutely, yes. You know, you wanted to be at the back of the bus. That was where all the fun was had. So, uh, yes. yes, I did. <laughs> now, this is going to stretch you. Um, what do you recall of your lunchbox back in school? What would you have for lunch? Well, it would always include an apple. Um, apparently that was um, 
you know, some of my friends used to joke about that. I, I had an apple every day of my life for, you know, um, until I was about 20. Mm-hmm. Um, probably a music bar of some sort and um, a whole grain sandwich with whatever was thrown in there at the time. Whole grain sandwich. So who's making that? Um, well, probably started out with my mum and by the end, I'm sure, year 11 or 12, she probably would have been making sure I was making it for myself. When uh, when I was growing up, that was the bread that had bits in it and we didn't like that bread very much. Oh, I love it. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, what was your first car? Um, just trying to think. I know I had um, a Holden Red Drover that had a removable top that looked, I thought, looked cool but was like driving a tin box. Um so I'll go with that one. That was probably one of my first. I, I can't picture it, but it sounds good to me. It sounds pretty cool. Um, Georgie, thanks for inviting me, but you've invited me over for dinner and uh, we're having dinner next week. Thank you. What are you likely to serve up? What's your go-to? What do you uh, like to cook? I'd have to check with my husband because I'm not the cook in the house, um, ah, but I would okay. imagine um, probably a roast with roast potatoes and carrots and um, sweet potato uh, maybe some asparagus. Nice, nice. Let's leave uh, hubby out in the kitchen, and I'm not in the picture anymore, but you can invite three people over to this uh, roast dinner, three people from any era, any time, whether they be famous and well-known or maybe they're uh, names that uh, that are more personal to you. Who's coming to dinner? That's a good one. Um, I think, well, everyone has Oprah over because she's met so many people. She'd have so many good stories. So I couldn't probably go past Oprah. Um, and let me see. Just thinking. I just saw the Elvis movie, but I don't know if I'd invite him. Um, I'd probably invite um, Fre- Freddie Mercury. Um, so Oprah, Freddie, and ooh, I'm also leaning towards George Michael, but maybe I don't want two singers. But uh, <laughs> let's stick with those three for the moment. <laughs> And it seems to me, though, that they would be there for entertainment value. You're not going to get up there and, uh, and try and jam with them, are you? No, I wouldn't embarrass myself in front of them. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me a little bit about travel. Is there a travel destination you have been to that you'd recommend or, or something that you're, is on your bucket list? Um, I have been to Italy, but I didn't get um, through all of the, uh, that beautiful country, so I would love to go back. Um, so, you know, hopefully one day um, that will be on my list. Mm, nice, nice. Do you have a favourite piece of clothing in your wardrobe? Mm, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a Melbourneian, so it'd have to be black. Um, <laughs> whether that's black pants, black jacket, you know. <laughs> anything black, anything black. That's okay. That's good. That's good. Um I wonder if you, well, I want to give you the opportunity for a 30-second brag. Don't be humble. What's working really well for you right now? Um, I'm working with a great group of um, leaders at Officeworks, so I'm really enjoying that. Um, And I think the opportunity to, you know, support our store teams and um, their progress within the business, um, that's something I'm really enjoying um, so we've just had our year beginning meeting last week as a um, business and so looking forward to the coming 12 months. 
Wonderful, wonderful. Georgie, you've been really generous with your time and I appreciate that. I've just got uh, two, maybe two and a half more questions to go. We have a school motto. It says or it reads Lavavi Oculus. And I, I wonder if you recall that. What does it mean? And what does it mean? So I think it means lift up your eyes or lift up my eyes, lift up my eyes, your eyes, <laughs> something like that. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, to lift up our eyes. And what, what does that mean, either as a student or maybe today? I think, it, well, to me, that means um, look at the bigger picture. There's something more than yourself. So um, be aware of what else is out there and, and look at those opportunities. Mm, I, that's terrific. Uh, and increasingly we need to do that because there's plenty of distractions, plenty of things that keep us stuck in our here and now and, and, and rather let's let's be broad, let's be open, let's lift our eyes to see other opportunities and, and maybe other people who, who whose story is worth discovering and, and, uh, and worth hearing about as well. My final question to you, and it's a two-parter. It's not as hard as it sounds. Let's see how we go. Georgie Swan from the class of 1988, what, what question do you really wish I had asked you today? And then can you answer that question? All right. No, I haven't got a good response for you, Paul, because I didn't come in here with um, preconceived ideas of what you were going to ask, to be honest. I'm, um, and I'm not particularly comfortable about talking about myself. So I wasn't looking forward to asking any particular question <laughs> for me to get out any um, particular bit of information about myself. <laughs> um, I, I've, got, I've got one for you then. And, and this, I might be misunderstanding the role of an HR manager or somebody who works in HR, but what's a great question that you might ask at an interview? What's a curly question or what's a, and I'm not necessarily going to pin it back on you, but what's a, what's a great question that, that would come up in interviews these days? Um, I like people to reflect on a learning and I think you've probably, you asked me a similar question earlier. So if they can think about an experience where it didn't go so well and what their learning was, just so I understand if they've um, reflected on that situation and they've had some insight into it. Um, mm. And certainly when I'm talking to um, people who are looking to progress into a leadership role, I want to understand where they're at with that um, that progress and I ask them about their what they consider to be um, the key capabilities of a leader So and where they see themselves um, within those capabilities. So are they fully competent? Uh, have they got some work to do? And to talk around that. Yeah, that's terrific. Georgie, thanks for your time. Thanks for sharing some stories. Thanks for tracking back. And I know some of the time it was a bit of a, a struggle to dig back into those memory banks. It seems to me that albeit only two years at Yarra, because that's all that you could and that's uh, in, in terms of your cohort and, and that was when you were able to be part of Yarra. But that, it seems, has helped lay a, a solid foundation which you've built on through life experience and through reflection and awareness and and drive and not just motivation but commitment and dedication to being the best version of you. And, uh, and, and we as a school are immensely proud of that. It seems you've been inspired by Yarra and through opportunities like this, you're an inspiration to Yarra. So for that, we thank you. Thank you. I've really enjoyed the time with you, Paul, and certainly um, 
I reflect very fondly on my time at Yarra Valley and appreciate um, the chance I had to be part of that cohort. Wonderful. Thanks for sharing with us today. Well, that wraps up another episode of Inspired by Yarra. And I hope you found that conversation with Georgie really interesting and fascinating, some of her insights and perspective and the depth to which she was able to reflect on her journey, not only her Yarra Valley grammar days, but also life lessons that she's learned along the way. We would warmly encourage you to share this episode or any of our growing library. We've just ticked over uh, 100 episodes, so there's plenty. If you have just found us and just discovered us, get on back through the library of uh, conversations that we have there and uh, enjoy and celebrate and share with others as well. And I hope that you'll enjoy uh, join us again next episode when we'll sit down again with another Yog to see how they too have been inspired by Yarra. My name's Paul Joy, and on behalf of everyone at Yarra, I want to wish you another day of inspiration where you get on out there with intentionality to make a positive impact in the world around you. <laughs>